0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Austin Roberts. Here on the Ecosiv Podcast, we engage leading thinkers in conversations about the kinds of transformations required to create a more sustainable, peaceful, and just world. We bring you today's episode in partnership with One Project, which is a nonprofit initiative working globally with communities to design, implement, and scale new forms of governance and economics that are equitable, ecological, and effective. The focus of this episode is to elevate themes of the recent book, The New Possible, through a series of dialogues on global systems change for more information about the one project and the new possible book please check out the links in the show notes for this episode in the conversation that follows andrew schwartz talks with educator richard dunn from the sustainable food trust about education food and farming for an ecological civilization and now here's andrew and richard
1: Welcome to another episode of the Ecosiv Podcast. I'm Andrew Schwartz, co-founder and vice president of Ecosiv. It is a pleasure to have Richard Dunn with me today. Uh, Richard is director of education for the Harmony Project at the Sustainable Food Trust in the UK. Um, The Sustainable Food Trust's work on harmony in food and farming seeks to demonstrate how and why we must put principles of harmony into practice to accelerate the transition to sustainable food and farming systems that work with nature rather than against it, right? Fundamental paradigm shifts, I'm all about it. Uh, Richard has more than 30 years of experience uh, in teaching and leadership in the education sector. Uh, His work in sort of redesigning a curriculum around nature's principles of harmony, it's already making a difference. It's inspiring a whole new generation of teachers um, and and children in the UK, uh, this sort of perspective Uh, is already being implemented in in a lot of schools across the UK. So today we're going to talk about the principles of harmony, um, nature as a teacher, and thinking about this in relation to education, food and farming for an ecological civilization. Richard, thank you for joining me today.
2: Well, thank you, Andrew. It's a great pleasure to be with you. And uh, it's always very interesting to hear the introduction and to learn the perspectives that you're bringing to what I am sure will be a fascinating conversation together today. Happy to put words in your mouth and uh, <laughs> reframe
1: your work. Yeah. So let's just start with Harmony. Of all the principles out there, uh, all the features of, of nature, um, you chose Harmony as, as the one that's to sort of guide uh, your project and got, to guide this work that you're doing on education and food. Um, why?
2: Why Harmony? It's a good question. So let me um, let me take you back a little bit first. Um, I was uh, educated in quite a formal education system. And when I left it, I then went into a, a real world, a world out there, which was very different from what I'd learned in school. And I traveled for nearly a year and saw things that were very different from, you know, the sort of stuff you sit in a classroom and learn about. So I, I came back to the UK and, and eventually went into the world of education and felt a real calling to that and that work. And I could see that education was was really still quite, on one side, quite formal, you know, just the learning of the reading, writing, math stuff, which, of course, is important. Um, but, then, but then what? Where do you go with that? So over time, I started to look at ways in which you could integrate um, themes of sustainability into that learning. Uh, I did some really interesting work with someone who you'll know, Dr. Jane Goodall, and her youth program called U- Roots and Shoots, um, which was a lovely, uh, a lovely club extracurricular activity. But I was sort of thinking, there's there's something more than that. It needs to be kind of a golden thread through the learning. So. I started to look at ways in which themes of sustainability, issues of climate change, biodiversity loss, and so on could could be part of that core learning uh, and to reframe learning around that. And then a few years ago, I read this book written by the Prince of Wales called Harmony, and he calls it Harmony, a new way of looking at our world. And I thought, this is fascinating. I've never really thought about this. How does How does the world work? How does life work according to a set of principles or natural laws that enable it to be sustainable, resilient and well? So really as a process, then I was trying to work out how to take this fairly big and and intellectual tome and make it accessible to children. So that became then the the focus for then underpinning a a new way of learning uh, with these principles of harmony. So I think... When it comes
1: to education, you have the sort of the pedagogy, right? The the approach to education, the way that learning is structured, and then you have the content. And that's a lot of times, environmental education is all about, let's learn about nature. But I my sense is that what your work is doing is it's reframing how we teach and how we learn uh, by learning from nature in a way that's it's vastly different than simply just learning about it as a subject matter over there. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there because a lot of curriculum content is is a tick box exercise, potentially, where you're you're making sure that students understand about nature and how it works um, in in an about way. I think there's a lot of really good practice out there now, particularly with younger children, learning in nature. So if you take the Forest School Association and the work they do, that's very much connecting children into nature. So there's some lovely work going on there but yes you're right the work of the harmony project is saying but let's just step back a minute and and see how this system works or these systems are at work so if we take um the principle of diversity nature is incredibly biodiverse and that's to enable its systems to be resilient and strong and um, and of course to look stunningly beautiful if you look at a wild flower meadow in the summer um, it's an extraordinary extraordinarily beautiful thing. so so how do we say, well what, you know if if nature is diverse, what's that about? We are diverse. What's that about? How do we value and promote and celebrate diversity in all things? And then I suppose on the other side, we can look at the systems that we've created and say, if you take food and farming and the more industrial approaches to that, that that's actually degrading and damaging of natural systems so what's not working there why is it not working and what can we do to change it
1: yeah so i mean you've you've hit the nail on the head as far as saying there's a problem with the way that we do things um with education a problem with with the way that we do things with food and farming um in that in a sense it's not it's not um mimicking that principle of harmony um, we're degrading nature, we're eroding topsoil, we're, you know, sort of trying to dominate and control uh, rather than working with. So what is that, what, what does it look like to put the principle of harmony in practice uh, with respect to the systems for food and farming?
2: Well, I think if you take any kind of project of learning, it's often very, uh, in a sort of subject-based way, it's very siloed. So we fragment learning out into the different areas of learning, the different subject content, and then we deliver them separately. And, and often in schools, you know, particularly as students get older, that's done by a different teacher. Uh, so they move from one class to the next and they learn a different aspect of the curriculum relative to that subject. Now, if you take that approach the whole time, you will grow up, uh, not intentionally, but you will grow up with a mindset of separateness. You will see things separately. So what this way of learning is trying to do is to say, if you look at harmony, harmony is when things work together. And what does that look like and how does that work? And if we look at it in terms of a school curriculum, we can say in relation to a a food inquiry or a food and farming project of learning, let's look at the whole picture of this piece of learning and let's bring in the science aspects, let's bring in the mathematics aspects, let's, let's look at some language work we could develop through this understanding and and make that language work relevant to a message maybe that we're going to share at the end of the project. So if you take the project and the theme first and you sit at the center of the learning and then you feed in the subject areas to that, then, of course, you create a much more holistic way of of seeing and understanding things.
1: So I, I think you, you made a, a subtle but significant uh, sort of shift in what you were just saying there, and I want to make sure we pick up on it. What I was hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, is that this then is a a project-based approach to learning as opposed to just focusing on subject matter. Is that, I mean, is that right? Is that how you get to sort of integrating uh, multiple subjects at a time is by focusing on uh, a complex issue or or project that requires the integration of these ideas in order to be successful? Um, Can you say a little bit more about that approach? I mean, maybe I'm missing it, but I, I was hearing project, and I thought that was interesting.
2: Absolutely. Um, you are right. Uh, this way of learning is very much around projects and a project-based approach. I think it doesn't deny the fact that subject skills and knowledge are really important. So sure. it doesn't say, you know, through this approach, you would not reference subject uh, subject learning. Uh, and they all have a value and a, and, a, and a role to play. And in fact, you know, if we look at nature every element within a natural system has a value and a role to play. So it's rather the same if we're looking at education. We would take the different skills and knowledge that are are, are required uh, for students to learn, but we would then look at ways in which they can be integrated and applied through a project. There will always be elements that need to be taught discreetly. Uh, Sometimes it just won't work to do that, and it doesn't work either to force it. But actually, if for the most part, students can see why they are learning what they're learning because it contributes to the to the greater whole of the of of the work Hmm. uh, then it makes more sense to them and I think importantly and this has come up recently from students speaking out about their future they want to see much more cross-curricular learning they want to see a joined up approach they want to understand how their learning links together so it feels like the right way to do it it won't work all the time But I think as a a starting point, it's great to to begin with the project in mind and then build learning around it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I'm curious. I mean, I I can see that working really well um, with children education, K through 12 type stuff. Um, But the way that things are currently structured, the higher you go in education, um, you know, you learn, what does it say? You learn less and less. Oh, wait more and more about less and less or something like that. Right. So you're, you know, you get the PhD and now you have a very narrow specialization. Um, Does this same sort of approach to a a harmony-based education that's sort of learning from nature, would that work at these sort of higher levels or or not? I don't know.
2: It's a very good question. And I think one of the things I've noticed coming out of, of COVID and the coronavirus pandemic is that People have been asking, what is our education for? Is it working? Is it preparing us for the sort of challenges that we're now facing? And I think there's there's an openness to exploring and experimenting in a different way. Now, of course, as you say, the higher up you go in the education system, the more likely it is that you're gonna specialize, and that's fully understandable. But I think alongside that, we can now start to really think about and people are already starting to think about ways in which we can have a particular focus but also look at it within a broader context if i give you a really nice example here in the uk there's a a new tertiary education organization called the london interdisciplinary school and the london interdisciplinary school is is a tertiary education body it's just set up this this term And one of the modules they're doing in January, which I'll be part of with some of their students, is looking at a module on sustainability in relation to this work of Harmony. So I'll, in effect, give the students a brief on what Harmony is about, what it means, and then they'll look at how it can be applied, maybe into education contexts, into business contexts, and then they'll come back with a report or a brief on what they think they have discovered now that's a very different model from learning one subject and looking at it in in a very specific way so i think you know we always need to be evolving with our education pro- programs and this feels like a really good time to do that
1: yeah it's interesting i think we are in a unique time uh in our global society uh, that really is ripe for change um largely because of covid but other things that are happening in the world i i love this uh, quote from alfred north whitehead one of my uh favorite philosophers and that's there's only one subject matter for education and that is life in all its manifestations and um, i get the sense that that's something that you're advocating essentially is that we have to make life we have to make the world our subject matter we have to learn from nature um, and do it in a way that sort of is integrating all of these uh, pieces of the puzzle. Our, our, you know, understanding of the sciences, our understanding of social systems. Um, and in fact, it seems like thinking in terms of systems would be important. Um, is that true? I mean, is this is this also sort of a systems thinking kind of approach to education?
2: It absolutely is. And um, I spoke to someone maybe a couple of years ago now, and. He has been very involved in the work of sustainability globally. And I said to him, what's the most important thing that young people need to know to prepare them for this this world of sustainability and, and all the challenges that we know we need to address? And he was really clear. He said, young people need to understand systems. They need to see as we said and you highlighted at the beginning the interconnectedness the interrelationships of things the life is about relationships and it's about how those relationships work together it's this this sense of um as the prince of wales would say in his book harmony the sense of wholeness so when we understand wholeness and relationships and things working in systems then we start to interpret it the world in a very different way so you're absolutely right you know this work is mm. is saying that we need to really join up our thinking and understand uh, the connections between things rather than which is still what a lot of education does which is to separate things out with no right. reference to the connections and that of course creates a fundamental flaw because if you don't see connections then you you grow up without that perception and i would argue that a lot of our you know even our leaders and people in in positions of of high responsibility are maybe not getting this much more joined up and coherent way of seeing things.
1: Yeah. I- the the philosopher in me would be like, let's point back to people like Rene Descartes and, and say, like, you know, when you understand the world as a machine and you understand, you know, the best way to understand the machine is to sort of take it apart, examine the pieces, right? And but if you understand the world as a living organism, now we have to understand the relationship between the parts to the whole. Um, and but we don't have to get into that. Um, I think that might be a sidetrack, but I I'm 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 vibing with what all that you're saying. Um, but you wanted to talk about relationships and there's one relationship in particular I think is important for us to explore for the, the sake of this uh, particular conversation. And that's the relationship between education and food. Um, mm. And I know that there is a food and farming uh, harmony in uh, in food and farming um, piece of the Harmony project that you're doing. Could you say a little bit of, about that particular function and what you see as the relationship between education and food?
2: So my work, as you highlighted at the beginning, is uh, and the work of the Harmony Project is within the Sustainable Food Trust. And uh, I am honoured to work with someone called Patrick Holden and his team who set up the Sustainable Food Trust. And Patrick's uh, an organic farmer in Wales, and he's been farming for over 40 years. And what was interesting was he intuitively knew the right way to farm. He knew that if he wanted his soil to be healthy, his land to be healthy, and, and indeed um, his farm to work as a healthy system, he needed to work in a way that was in harmony or in balance with with nature and, and the world around him. But I don't know that he'd ever, and I think he would say this, that he'd ever really articulated that in terms of what we are discussing today, these principles of harmony. So when we started to explore them, it was like a, you know, a light bulb moment. And he said, oh, wow, well, I, I can now see that this is how I've been wanting to make my farm and, and my farming food system work. Um, it's very much around, around what you're, you're highlighting here. So one of the things that I think is now essential when we talked about regenerative farming and agriculture Uh, I think it's essential now that we really engage our young people in not just the food that they have in front of them, um, be it um, food that they have in front of them to make a recipe in school or the food that they're just about to eat, but the story of that food, the provenance of that food, the systems that have made it. And, you know, you can do that in very simple ways. You can take uh, two apples, one of which is grown locally in in an orchard. Um, maybe from an organic farm, and another which has come from the other side of the world. And from those two apples, you can have a fascinating story and conversation, and you can build out learning in lots of different ways. You can explore food miles, you can look at nutritious content, you can cross section them and look at the geometry of the the five petal flower shape that sits within the cross section of a, um, of an apple and you can you can do all sorts of maths around weighing and estimating and so on so you can start to from a very simple basis you can build out um i suppose this this whole idea of inquiry around so what do we want to find out here and at the end of it what do we think about the idea of eating an apple that comes from down the road versus an apple that comes from the other side of the world now if you ask a question you're not telling your students what to think You're opening up a conversation to hopefully get them to to see that things are not always straightforward. They might have complexity, and that's actually important to know. Um, But then from that thinking process, they become more considered as consumers, and they start to think a bit more about the choices they make, for example, with food.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen some pretty... um... Discouraging studies, at least from the U.S. side, on the the lack of awareness on um, where food comes from. They're like, oh, French fries, yeah, those come from McDonald's. Uh, potatoes, wait, what? They, potatoes are grown in the ground. Like, they, they, like, I mean, the the disconnect of the story of our food um, for especially people who live in in urban um, modern areas is, um, yeah, that's that's a problem um, for sure. I love the idea of the, the story of our food and how that opens up a, a sort of questioning process. Um, and I think that it's interesting to think about a question approach to learning, um, which is sort of inviting students in to do the exploring as opposed to a, uh, I don't know, like the transmission of inert ideas kind of you know learning where you said, here, memorize this. And you just sort of feed it into the machine of the, the student's mind. Um, what is the function of questions? Um, in this sort of
2: (laughs) harmony approach to education? Uh, It's it's a very good question because uh, questions are so central, aren't they? And um, I remember an old friend of mine was working in a company in London and in the reception above the the desk, there was a statement and it said, ask a better question. And that was the premise of, of their work and you're absolutely right you know questions are are so key to good learning and i think if we take the you know the the old model if you like or the traditional model that you've just highlighted where the teacher is the authority and and informing students and it's one way traffic for most of the time there is a there is a place for that to happen sometimes but if it's too much that way then the student uh, the the receiver becomes very quickly really quite passive and i think if we ask questions and we question in a way that engages and opens up conversation and opens up a an inquiry a searching for something and interestingly the word inquiry means seeking for truth so there's a deep sense that we're seeking for truth in this and if you if you do that then it's fascinating to see where it goes and of course as the teacher in inverted commas you don't necessarily know quite where the outcome is going to be uh, because it may go off in a slightly different direction so that needs a, that needs confidence you need to be comfortable to allow it to unfold but i think right now we need more of that because there's a there's a quote is that einstein around you know if we, if we try and work with the same system now to solve the problems, it's not gonna work. We need to generate new ideas, new thinking, new ways of working. So I think it's really important that we enable our students to see that they can generate learning that maybe we've not even thought about before. Even language sometimes. Um, There's a lovely project just starting in the UK at the moment with a group of students learning about harmony on a farm. And the person who's leading it said to me last week the students have decided that their learning is about harmony. now I've, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've never heard of this one i don't think it, it actually exists but it's one they've created so now we've got farming systems that work in harmony with nature which is farmany. Um, isn't that a lovely thing so who knows it. what comes out of these conversations and these questions
1: harmony that's fantastic so Let's imagine then um, a, a future of, of sort of successful harmony. Uh, so you got the world, uh, even, you know, the year 2030, um, you know, the UN saying, hey, you know, we may have a decade to make a difference. Um, so we really need to act quickly. Um, but if, if you were to imagine the world in some near distant future, where the principles of harmony have been fully employed in food and farming and education in economics in uh, political structures beyond, right? What does this world look like? Could you describe that future for us uh, in which harmony is sort of being reflected in the way that humans live in all aspects of, of our civilization?
2: Well, it's a question we've asked children. And what is fascinating is how clear and articulate they are about that vision so they they understand first and foremost that we have to live together in peace so we have to appreciate one another value one another for our differences see that that diversity of community is so essential to a sense of harmony and and that's about not just valuing it but listening um, appreciating, taking time to understand different perspectives, uh, to be tolerant, um, to, be, to, to be grateful, actually. And then once you've got that in place, and of course that's so essential because if, you, if that's not there, then all the other things, you know, they, they really do fall apart. Then the wider picture is is absolutely around all the things that, that we're discussing today because they would want um, clean air, clean soil, clean water, clean rivers, clean oceans. They want us to understand the circular economy, the principle of the cycle, that we always recycle our waste. We have, no, In effect, we have no waste because nature has no waste. It recycles everything. So how do we create systems that recycle everything? It's a world where we understand relationships. We see how things work systemically and what makes things work well together. It's a world where our food systems are regenerative. And whatever that means, and of course it has many interpretations, it's about a system that works in harmony with nature. So it's not degrading of nature and natural systems. And alongside that, therefore, it's a a world that is thriving in biodiversity. And I think what a lot of people are are seeing is we need to bring together the social justice element alongside the environmental justice, the well-being of people alongside the well-being of the planet. And if that's our goal and that's our vision and we work with that intention then we can create the most remarkable things and I I even have a sense now that there are so many great organizations out there who are really seeing that we need to heal the world. And that is from a human perspective as much as it's from an, a nature perspective. And of course, seeing that, that we are nature. Um, we're not separate from the natural world. We are an integral part of it. So if we get that understanding right, then I think for all that we know, we've got massive challenges ahead. I think you know the future can be very, very positive.
1: I do wanna start uh, talking about those challenges, but before we do, I. I just have to say yes to everything you just described as your future. I think it's beautiful. I'd love to see some examples of what the kids come up with. Um, <laughs> I think, I think we could, can... Find we could do, yeah, I mean, it's that could guide entire organizations and, and governments to say, this is what the future needs to be, you know, uh, because it's clear and concise. And I think often uh, adults muddy things up. Um, I think what you described in my mind uh, through this sort of lens of harmony is exactly what our organization tries to describe as an ecological civilization. And I think that people use different terms and different language, but we are trying to describe a very similar future, which excites me because I feel like, okay, there's some momentum that people are coming from different perspectives, but trying to move toward a a similar goal, uh, which I find um, encouraging and and hopeful. Um, I think that at the end, you were touching on the relationship between social and environmental. Um issues how How does harmony speak to that uh, as a as a principle?
2: Well, I think we we absolutely need to see this from from the societal aspects and the communal to, communal aspects as a as a starting point. We need to be looking at how we relate to one another, what are the values that we live by. I think you know the values culture is is essential to all this work how we treat and respect and value one another is uh, is the foundation for this work and then we from that we go out and do good good work in in the world and 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 of course in the natural world as well so i think we we have to see them all the time in relationship there may be projects of learning which are more human centric in terms of their focus uh, and societal in terms of their focus um but on the other side we may we may want to take a project around food and farming or around uh, biodiversity and and you know the issues of restoring that and repairing that um as as other projects but but all the time um and i think a lot of young people are very aware of this you know they see that they're they're not separate issues they are absolutely integrated um and we need to work to see them as as one
1: you know i got i i think it would be fun um, and maybe even useful to imagine um, various sectors of society through the lens of the seven principles of harmony that that your project describes: interdependence, cycle, diversity, adaptation, health, geometry, and oneness. And to say, okay, well, what? Because you already started started touching on that, right? What a circular economy um, is an economy that recognizes the natural uh, importance of of systems that are in harmony in the circularity, right? That feeds into them um, as as self-sustaining. I don't know, I think it's beautiful. Um, Maybe that's something that you're already doing, but if not, um, something I'd love to see done. You talked about challenges and I wanna hear a little bit more about that. What are some of the major obstacles to realizing harmony um, in food and education, um, farming? And then in addition to sort of the major obstacles, do you see any key leverage points for change um, Mm. in overcoming those obstacles?
2: So I think our education system—it's not so much I think it—I mean it's the reality of it—is is is very measured. So measure and testing and assessments are not going to go away, and they have a place, of course, because we need to be able to see how students are progressing, where they are strong, where they have areas to develop, and so on. I think we can be more creative around that and a little less. rigid as we can often be around, you know, what a test or an exam is about. You know, I love the idea of portfolios of work that students build over their education. So they they choose particular examples of work that they've covered during a term or even a half term and, and bring that into their, their portfolio and, and articulate why it's quality work and what maybe they would do to take it further. But I think in answer to your question, there <clears throat> is always a balance between realizing that the system still has a strong measure to it, but doing it in a way that is much more meaningful and relevant and and has a real sense of purpose to it. So we have to constantly find that that balance between those two elements. If we can do that, and if we can be, as I say, more creative around how we measure learning, then I think we can get the balance right. And, And of course, it's not an either or, we want both. We want children to make good progress in who they are, in how they learn, but we want to do it in ways that really connect them to the issues that they face. I think, in terms of opportunities right now, there's a lot of pushback. I think a lot of people are saying, both within the system and indeed, if you take parents, they're saying, "I want something more for my children." I can see the the kind of world that we're we're moving towards now. In fact, not even moving towards. We're we're there in many cases, and I want my children to feel that they one that they understand the issues not in a scary way but in a way that they feel they can do something about so i think the final the final message around that sort of vision of the future is that young people as they want to see themselves as leaders see themselves as the people Mm -hmm. who are going to contribute to a much more sustainable uh, healthier way of working
1: yeah it's interesting that that first piece of what you're talking about of measurements and, and metrics, I think I do see that as a huge challenge, because um, let's imagine that you're, you know, you're a high school um, that is saying, well, we, we're going to sort of get rid of this sort of traditional grading system. Uh, but now you have a kid who wants to go to college at Oxford and doesn't have the same uh, sort of presentation of grading um, that the admissions committee is used to looking at. So then does it is, is that going to interrupt their future, right? So I can see how changing a system that is sort of a complex web of multiple systems, is it something that has to happen all at once or can it happen, like, can it start from somewhere um, and then sort of expand? Does that make sense? Like Yeah, it does. Because I, right now there's a system where it's, even if it's taking us in the wrong direction, there's some coherence to it. Would changing K through 12 education radically disrupt that coherence in a way that, would also require changing higher education and other sorts of things all at the same time or?
2: So when we talk about harmony, we often call it a a new way of learning. And I think it's about looking at how we can do things differently, how we might shift the way in which we assess or exam um, or create exams for students. I mean, even down to asking different questions, that draw out some of these issues that we're talking about, so that students, if they know that's the way in which the education and the exam system is going, they are going to start to learn in different ways. I think that's already happening. I think we're, we're seeing more and more of that. Um, because you know, the people who are doing the examining are interested in finding out what students think about, about these issues. So there's that side. I think we can we can look at how we we assess and test so that it is more relevant to the, the the issues we're talking about, and then maybe on the other side we need to find this balance again in terms of what the, the course does, because you know my son's doing medicine, uh, he's doing medicine at Cambridge, and I think he would say that there maybe could be more done around the integrative approach to medicine, seeing medicine more holistically, not just about fixing. The problems of you know someone having um, you know a, a, a physical issue or, a, or or even a mental issue. Um, so how do we um, how do we look at things in a in a more joined up way? So it might be that you know particular modules of learning are developed which are not there at the moment, which start to open that up. Of course, then you've got to look at what you take out because you can't just keep adding more. But I think that sense of shifting practice is exactly what we need to do. And I would say in, in the best practices right now, that's absolutely what's what's happening.
1: It seems that uh, an important piece of the puzzle is teaching teachers uh, this new sort of holistic approach uh, toward a harmony-based education. Is, is that something that your project works on? Um, sort of teacher training. And because I think there's, of course, there's sort of the, the systems changing the system of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as like making sure that this is being worked into a classroom, um, if the people who are doing the, the teaching are trained in this sort of traditional way of, of sort of one directional education, um, I assume that they might not know what to do as far as um, embracing a, a different model. I believe you have resources and things like that that you offer but can you say a little bit about the yeah how to teach teachers
2: so teaching teachers is is obviously an essential part of this evolving program of learning and and way of learning and um we certainly are really interested in how we support training teachers and teachers and indeed head teachers or principals so there's a sort of tiered approach and at different levels you might or you would present it in, in different ways. I think in terms of trainee teachers, and it's something that I did just uh, just over a week ago with, with a cohort of 200 trainee teachers at a university here, if you can give them a sense of what this way of learning looks like um, and show them the, the processes that enable it to work. So you would start with a, a an inquiry question, You would link it to a principle of harmony and draw out sustainability themes or practices from that. You would celebrate that learning, not just through the assessments that we've been talking about, but with what we would call a great work, something that defines that that period of learning and gives students a real sense of journey. And then you would look at the specific subject areas and how they um, are integrated into that project. So if you give that overview and you help people to see the process, and then the next stage is you provide, maybe not all the activities or the lesson plans, but enough to give a a sort of scaffold for that work, then I think most trainee teachers and indeed teachers can feel confident enough to give it a go. But it absolutely, in in many cases, it needs that, that lesson plan or the designing of lesson activities to be there. So that they feel confident that they know how to deliver on the message of the of the big picture. Definitely,
1: my friend John Cobb. I've I've heard him talk about his concern um, that education is basically set up uh, to encourage people to be uh, you know pursue uh, city based work uh, because you know that's where the money is, and basically everything's designed toward uh, education toward uh, the pursuit of money, um, and that as a result. Uh, rural areas and farms are being abandoned because the education system is saying what you should value is urban life, uh, city life, and that's where the the resources and the jobs and the money and happiness or whatever right is that's where you want to be um, farming and, and, and rural life, you know, you don't want that education is not driving people uh, to to rural communities. Um, first of all, I'd be curious if you if you have a sense of whether or not he's on the right track and thinking education is indeed driving people away from uh, sort of the value of, of rural life, but but more importantly, um, does a harmony-based approach uh, provide a balance to that? Um, does it suggest an alternative value system that says um, the goal of of life and the goal of education is not simply the pursuit of a higher paying job, um, but there are other Pursuits that may be uh, of important
2: worth. I think the goal of, of of the harmony approach is is health, health and well being. And so, we need to really define what we understand by health. When are we healthy? When do we feel well? What gives us a sense of well being in our lives? And I would love to see that message of health uh, running right through the system from the youngest children to the oldest, so that they interpret health look at health through the lens of lots of different understandings so with younger children it may be play and and the food that they eat and as they get older it's it's maybe into the you know the the relationship side of, of peer groups and pressures and and drugs and addiction and some of the concerns there but they really start to build their own their own understanding of what health means to them and what's important for their lives and what we're seeing around the world or starting to see is that governments in places like New Zealand in Iceland I think in some of the Scandinavian countries are shifting away from you know a GDP to say actually health and well-being needs to be our indicator now what we're seeing here in the UK I think is Whilst there are many people coming to the cities, there are also people now moving away, and wanting to establish themselves in a rural, a rural life, and um, you know working on a small-scale farm, maybe um, reconnecting with the land, growing food, and working out how they can make make a different way of life through that. And there are some great organisations. Uh, here that are supporting young people in that interesting they're people who've maybe been to university done some work possibly in the city and then decided you know what particularly because of my concerns around food as an as as a very obvious example i want to reconnect to the land and start to do something that is a positive response to that so there are definitely young people now um, that i'm aware of who are looking to go the other way and seeing that as as a real positive. And, and I think if we can build on that, and I'll give you one example in mid Wales, there's a lovely small town called Lampeter and there's a university there called the University of Wales Trinity St David. And we're at the moment, looking at a food hub project, linking farmers and food growers with schools within that community, and building learning around that. So our intention is that some of their workshops and the training will actually take place on farms for teachers and educators so that they get this really strong experience of of what's going on in the land around them. And this is a a really lovely way. I'm sure there are great examples in the US too and indeed elsewhere, but a really lovely way of of building the sense of community, which means that the young people are maybe less likely to go away from that place uh, into a city.
1: That's cool. That's really, that's a neat example. Um, So obviously there's a lot of challenges, a lot of uh, complexity to transforming the way people think, um, to transforming systems of education, our systems of of farming and and food production um, distribution, our economic systems. I mean, there's, the world is not uh, short of problems, right? Um, And challenges, but in the midst of that, Um, I'm hearing some interesting things that are happening around the world, uh, these emerging opportunities, new developments. What gives you hope? Is there reason to have hope and to think, you know, we actually can make a difference and move toward the kind of uh, world that you envisioned a little bit ago?
2: I'm doing a lovely project at the moment with the Eden Project. I don't know if you know, the Eden Project is based down in the West of England in Cornwall and a wonderful organization. And one of the things that we're looking at is to get young people to talk about their home and what their home means to them and what their hopes and fears are for their future. Uh, And indeed what they would say to someone who is coming to visit their, their home. And I watched a video just last night of a young girl called Matilda from Australia. Of course, she had to be called Matilda. And, um, and her short three minute film, I think probably taken on her phone, was absolutely stunning. And she was so articulate and so passionate and so committed to finding a way forward that I just felt such a strong sense of hopefulness in her message and there are lots of people out there like that lots of people who rather I mean of course there's eco-anxiety and and completely understandably but we have to shift from that to say every one of us can do something and let's start here in our place in our locality in our community and let's think about the things that we can do and the way that we want to be alongside that so that combination of doing and being really really important so my hope is is that if we can develop the right ways of learning that balance the more formal traditional aspects uh, that we know are important with something much more creative and enlightened and relevant for young people that that helps them to address the things that we're discussing today then then we can create something that will be incredibly hopeful and indeed inspiring. And our, our young people, our students, will absolutely uh, take us on a journey with that. And I think for me, the fascinating thing, as I mentioned earlier, is is how they respond and, and what sort of things they think of and create and design that they think will help be the solutions that, that we need.
1: Wonderful. I, you had mentioned the importance of, of people wanting to say, hey, what can i do right how can i participate in building this uh this future toward harmony um so let's imagine there's a parent at home listening to this saying i am all for this harmony approach to education but my my kids in in a public school system where it's definitely the more traditional test based uh subject matter information model um what advice do you have for them on on what they can do um to to change the, to give new opportunities for their children to learn um, from nature, not just about nature?
2: Well, I think there are are two sides to this. I think from a parent perspective, of course, if, if your school is not doing this, I would say to parents, of course, in the nicest possible way, go into school and ask some questions to find out how much students are engaging with issues of sustainability, you know, some of the harmony principles and the practices that come from that. And to start that conversation, because it may be, and schools we know are really busy places, and it's not always easy to change things. But if a conversation can begin, then who knows where it can go. And what I've seen in my own career is that. Once parents are on board and, and invested in something, they'll, they'll support it in an incredible way. They'll get right behind it and uh, in the right way, lead aspects of it. So let's, let's look at how we can build those conversations into home-school dialogue. I think in terms of home, then it's really practical things. So some of the things that I would suggest are around food let's come back to food, uh, and to ask children, where is our food coming from? How much of our food is grown in the US in this state? Uh, Where's the food if it's not from this state coming from? Is it from the US or is it from further afield? Let's get a map out and let's start to map out all the different products that we're consuming and where they've come from. Now, if you want to, of course, you can look at the systems that are growing that food. So you might be looking out for an organic label if uh, you think that's uh, an important aspect. Of course, we know organic food tends to be more expensive, so that's another conversation that we might want to be having. Um, So we can look at food very much in terms of what's in our fridge and what's in in our cupboard. If we looked at energy and the issue of climate change, we can do that also at home. We can say, let's find our meter in our home and let's monitor once a week how much Energy we've used, and let's challenge ourselves to use less. So we start to see how we can reduce our energy. I mean, we used to run in the school where I was something called the 100 Club, which was to try and get your electricity energy below 100 kilowatt hours a week. And so many families engaged, and some of this, the super families in, in terms of their energy needs <laughs> were getting below 50 kilowatt hours a week. So they immediately wow. felt they were doing something about it. You can relate it to packaging and waste. Can we realistically cut out all packaging and waste in the the things that we buy? Um, You can look at it in terms of travel. How do we wanna travel? What sort of impact does our travel have in terms of maybe pollution and so on? So just getting them to really engage. And I think mainly trying to do it very much within the community and the locality that you're in and finding people, you know, even in a city, there are the most incredible allotment growers and starting to link in with them maybe and finding out a bit more about what they're doing and what they know. I'm really struck that in our world, we have so many older people who have such wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and potentially they're sharing it with no one. So how do we blur the line between what happens in a school or a home and what happens in our community so that we can make these lovely connections between the younger generation and the older generation.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Learning isn't limited to schools. I love that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we conclude? Um, I think we're probably coming up on time.
2: <laughs> well, it's been a great pleasure to talk with you, Andrew, and thank you for all the questions you've asked. It's, uh, it's certainly been very stimulating. I think the only thing I would say now is that, uh, and it's, I'm reminded of a quote around this work of harmony, which was if we don't understand and begin with the principles of harmony, the principles of life, we will go astray. And if we look and analyze the problems that we're facing now, they have really come from a, from a lack of understanding of what enables any system to be healthy and sustainable and resilient and well. And you know, we've created massive amounts of waste and pollution and degradation and damage and the challenge that we have right now is to heal that and to repair it and restore it and regenerate it. And I think if if this work of harmony that informs so much of what a sustainable future will be about can underpin this way of living and learning and working and being, then, then we are going to be in, uh, traveling towards a good place. Um, so let's see where we go and you know, really, really excited to be connected to you and the great work you're doing Uh, and the partnerships that we build together are going to be key to our success.
1: Absolutely. Let it be so. Uh, Richard, I've loved talking to you. This is wonderful. And I appreciate all the the work that you're doing uh, with the Harmony Project out there in the UK um, when hoping that that will have a global impact, Um, truly. So thank you for taking the time to chat with me. For those of you who are listening, who want to learn more, uh, please check out theharmonyproject.org.uk. There's great information on the site, uh, including resources uh, for those of you who are, are wanting to see how to put these principles into practice. So again, thank you very much.